Hi, uh, my name is April Pasquale. I became a parishioner here at uh, St. Paul of the Cross this February. Um, I have been working at the Danish Home of Chicago for about seven years it is, as an administrative assistant. I'm a caregiver of sorts. My caregiving is not as a professional, such as a nurse, CNA, or a doctor, but as a human being responding to the dignity of another human being. A little information about the home. By the name you can tell a little about us. The home was an inspiration of 12 Danish women under the leadership of Emma Thornson over 120 years ago. They wanted to create a facility for the elderly Danish women in the community that did not have any family because their family was back in Denmark um, to provide care for them. So that's the beginning of the Danish home. Today the Danish home is a boutique senior community in the Norwood Park area and we are open to all members of the community. It is no longer where you have to be Danish or married to a Dane in order to be a resident at our home. We have many customized retirement experiences from modified life care to monthly rental. We are independent living, assistance in living, and skilled care nursing. If you are interested, we do have some brochures in the back. You are able to pick one of those up and you can call for an appointment or for a tour to come and visit our, um, our home. And it is a home, it's not a facility, it is a home. Um, I started working over at the Danish home in June of 2004. Prior to that, I was a waitress and I basically didn't make very much money. And I was very grateful to, um, at the time I was at Immaculate Conception, I was a um, part of the uh, parish council and a lady referred me to the Danish home. And I'm grateful because first of all, it allowed me as a single mother to be able to take care of my children adequately. And then the other thing is, is I learned skills that I would not have been able to have learned had I not been at the Danish home. And then the third thing was, is that I was able to meet the residents and the people that I worked with. And it was, it's a very nice family. It's not an institution, it's a family, basically. Um, my first boss, his name is uh, Mr. Nielsen, and he knew that I was artistic, and he encouraged my creativity. And so um, we would have these moments where I'd be like, Mr. Nielsen, I'm playing, and I'd go on the computer and I'd start creating different things. And the things that I would create were cards for the residents, for them personally, to them, or for them to give to somebody else. I would create programs and pamphlets, something that would enlighten their day. And um, that also allowed me to do other things at Immaculate Conception as I uh, progressed in my ministries. And then um, our new administrator, uh, executive director, he's coined the term as delighting our residents. And today I'm able to have more of a personal interaction with the residents that I had prior. And one of the things that I do do is I come in earlier every day 
and I go and I have breakfast with the residents. And it's not so much for my nourishment, but for the nourishment of the residents. And I get to sit with them for anywhere from 10 minutes to a half an hour and we have conversations and, you know, we, we, I, I learn more about them and um, they learn more about me. And I also go in earlier on Thursdays so we could take a walk in the garden and have conversations at that point too. Um, I also have tried to be their advocate from the very beginning. So if there was a need that needed to be addressed, I would and will bring that up to have that resolved. But that doesn't mean that their needs were never addressed. It's just that I cared so much for them that I had the need to be their advocate. And one of the things that ended up from that is I became a minister of care because I needed and I wanted to bring the Eucharist to the residents that were Catholic, and that has become one of my ministries. Um, I have been a caregiver for a very long time. I did care for my mother and my father before they passed away, and um, I am also a caregiver because of the ministries that I have chosen as being a Catholic. Now, one of the things about me is I'm a convert. I was not Catholic from birth. I decided to do this. And um, part of the main reason that I ended up becoming Catholic had to do with September 11th, 2001. Uh, it affected me very much. And all those people died. And it was a wake-up call. And I always felt like I needed to let their memory be honored through me. Um, my mother was Episcopal and my father was a non-practicing Catholic. And I was confirmed in the Episcopal faith at 16. And I do remember very well receiving communion, the Eucharist. And there was something that happened inside of me, even though it was Episcopal, it was what they would consider illicit. Something happened and it was like I knew he was there. And I also knew that the Catholic faith was the church that Christ instituted. And there were many reasons that led me to it. One was, is my father's name. His name is, um, was Francis Joseph Peter. And Peter always stuck in my mind. There is just something about it, Peter, that always stuck in my mind. And I also remember as a little Protestant girl um, watching uh, family classics, you would have uh, the Song of Bernadette or um, Our Lady of Fatima. And I remember very much watching the movies and the presence of Mary being presented on the screen and I would always weep and cry and I never quite understood why nobody could explain it to me but I knew there was something very special about it and when September 11th came I knew I had to do something and prior to that maybe when I was about 25 I decided I wanted to become a minister in the Episcopal Church and I realized I couldn't be a minister because I was a female and I couldn't be a priest and there goes that same connection to the Catholic Church because I knew there was something there. 
So I started reading the Bible again, and there were two things that came to my attention as I was reading. One came from Mark, where it said, there is one sin that is not forgivable, and that is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And at that time, I used to be a very heavy smoker, and I decided that I didn't want to smoke out the Spirit anymore, and I stopped smoking at that point. And then the other thing that stuck, many things stick from the Bible to me, but do you not know you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And when I realized that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, I realized you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that we have dignity, and that dignity needs to be honored. And so becoming a Catholic, I have tried very hard, I'm not perfect, but I have tried very hard to honor the dignity of the other person. And I've tried to teach my children to do the same. And it was, I went through a discernment period. I started RCIA, RCIA in 2002, and I came into the church at Easter Vigil 2003. And all I have to say is if you've never done an Easter Vigil, I would ask you, I would beg you, I would implore you, please do the Trinidad. It is the best experience in the whole wide world. It is just totally awesome. Actually, that's the one thing that my youngest daughter likes the most in the Catholic Church is the Easter Vigil. So um, with that, we actually all came into the church at the same time. We re I came in as a Catholic, they, reserve, they received First Holy Communion, 2003, and then from that, I jumped into the faith, because I remember in the books of Acts, they laid down their gifts in front of the apostles, and I remember going to Father Mike, giving my confession, and in my head thinking to myself, I am laying down my gifts before you, and my gifts are me. And there are certain things, when I was over at uh, Immaculate Conception, I was very involved in evangelization. And from learning how to do the different things on the computer at the Danish home, I was able to put together brochures and pamphlets for them. And we passed them around in the neighborhood. And there were some really cute stories, like there was a postcard that we made where we took a picture in front of the statue of Mary, and um, it was for Christmas, and it said, from our family to yours. And this woman, she called up, and she wanted an extra postcard because she wanted to frame it, because she wanted to put it with her family pictures. I was like, that is such a cute story. And then there was another time where we passed out the pamphlets, and a woman who was not in our district actually said, I want to become a parishioner because you came and you called me and I want to be part of your parish. And so my ministries today, even at St. Paul the Cross as a lector, um, a Eucharistic minister, I'm still a minister of care over at um, Immaculate Conception and that's so that I can serve my residents over at the Danish home. I love being a lector. I can't tell you how much I adore being a lector. 
because when I read the scriptures, I never go out there and read them. I always ask God to send the Spirit and speak through me. I never talk. I let Him talk. And the Bible is a love letter. It is a love letter from God to you. And I read it as a love letter. God telling you He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son. And as a Eucharistic minister, I love being a Eucharistic minister because as I stand there and I go to give the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, I'm looking into your eyes thinking that like, I'm Christ, this is my body given up for you. I love you. I, I consider it as being an act of love and I'm so very grateful that I have been able to come into the Catholic Church. And when I do my ministries, and I've had to pull back on some of my ministries because I have a thyroid problem. And because I have a thyroid problem, I get tired very quickly. And um, where I used to be able to go and only have about like five hours sleep, I can't do that anymore. I have to go to bed at like 9 o'clock at night. And so my ministry has become my work at the Danish home, serving the people and loving them the best that I can, and then serving the church through being a lector and being um, a Eucharistic minister and minister of care. So. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. How many residents do they have at the Danish home? Right at this moment, we have 24 residents, and we have a capacity of 46. Do they ever have any Catholic masses there? Um, we, Father Eric has come in, and he has said a mass. I'm the Minister of Care, so I bring in the Eucharist on Monday. So there's a service. Um, I, if a resident ever said that they needed a to go to confession, I can call and get the priest to come over for confession. I've you know had families say, you know, my mother is passing. Can you, you know, find her the last rites? And I do everything that I can to make sure that their needs are being taken care of. Anything else? I have a question. Yes. How is your mother? Does she, how does she accept you in the Catholic faith? My mother has passed. Okay, my mother passed away when I was 18 years old. My father was not practicing. He passed away when I was about 25 years old. So um, I don't know that she would have been too happy. Because I do remember a couple of negative comments about being Catholic, but like I said, I always felt that it was right. I never quite understood the whole Henry VIII, I need to divorce kind of thing. That just never quite set it right with me. And all the kids in the neighborhood, they were all Catholic, and it's like, okay, I don't like Sunday. I don't have anything to do. Everybody's at church, you know. So it's just like there was just something that wasn't right. 
you know, so. Could you share with us what brought you to uh, the caregiver's circle of faith? Um, I had come to one of the meetings with you, and we were conversing about, he, he made the mention about the, um, the caregiver circle of faith. I wanted to create a ministry, um, care for ministers, ministers, ministry to ministers, basically, on the opposite end. But I also realized that we're all caregivers. Ministers are caregivers. We're all caregivers. You don't have to be a professional, have a, be an RN, a CNA to be a caregiver. A parent is a caregiver. You know, there's many different aspects to it. And like he had mentioned, being in ministry and giving all of yourself for what you're for the love of God, basically, that's what you're doing, is you're loving God and the other person. Your needs don't get taken care of, and sometimes you become angry, and I wanted to ensure that the dignity of the person was being honored, and that even though they're taking care of somebody, that they need to know that they need to take care of themselves in order to be a good and adequate caregiver. And that's part of the reason why I chose to help in this particular ministry is, is because I want, I want to take care of people, but I also need to take care of myself. And I do realize that if you read the Bible, Jesus on many times he left and went to the side. He went to go pray. He went to go be with the Father. He knew he couldn't do it all, all the time. He had to remove himself, and he had to take care of himself. And these are things that I've learned over the past couple of years, is that I can't do everything, and that I do need to remove myself, and I do need to take care of myself, and I want to be able to share that with other people.